Hello and welcome to the Pinch of Magic podcast with me, Rebecca and Newman. And I have been so excited for this podcast since I last spoke to Dee Norman, author of Burn a Black Candle, which I just had a sneaky ask asking her how it's going, because I know that everyone who I know who has read it has loved it. So that's really exciting. So we're like, what, two months in now, Dee? Yeah, that's right, Rebecca. And hi, first. And thanks so much for having me back. I had so much fun the last time I was here. <laughs> that's why um, I invited but... back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're about two months in and I have had so much fun um, with all of it. The feedback I've been getting from people, mm. uh, the people that I've been able to meet and talk to them about their traditional family practices and what they have built upon those practices. That's been the most fantastic part so far of, of this whole experience with with putting this book out is getting to talk to people about those things and learn from them too and share experiences. I think that's one of the most valuable things of books. It's like yes to the knowledge, but really to that that ripple energy of sharing and starting conversations and weaving in that richness. Um, but last time we were talking, we got a little bit sidetracked from the book and like all of the heritage that we want to talk about. And we went off on a little tiny tangent, which <laughs> we both love on <laughs> intuition and divination. So we, after the, after the last podcast, I was like, let's do one just on divination and just on like intuition and psychic abilities and skills and all of that good stuff. And we're both just before the, before we started recording, going, Oh, this is our favorite topic. So who knows <laughs> what magical mystery tour we're going to go on. But um, just before, um, earlier before the podcast, I did put a poll out on Instagram asking that I was meeting with you today. We're talking like intuition and divination and if people had questions. So we have mm -hmm. that element today as well, which will be fun. But first of all, tell me, what was your first introduction to intuition or feeling intuitive, knowing that you were psychic? I mean, what language do you use and how do you use it in this conversation? That's really interesting. And I don't know if I, especially when I was first introduced to the concept, again, it was through my family. And so it was all very subtle. <laughs> and it wasn't like uh, what my mother and grandmother would do is they would pat my arm and go, she's very sensitive. She's a sensitive child. Mm. She's very sensitive. And, you know, and it was normally when uh, something would throw me totally off the rails um, emotionally because I had picked up on something odd or I'd gotten a weird feeling about someone and didn't want to be anywhere near them or anything like that. And so to me, even though it sounds kind of Victorian, sensitive is often a term that at least I use in my head mm -hmm. uh, when it refer to the stuff I pick up on, naturally the stuff my daughter, now that she's getting a little bit older, picks up on. Um, but, you know, it all started at a very early age because my mother and grandmother were open to acknowledging that kind of thing uh, from the very beginning when I was younger. And so um, information from dreams when I was younger, um, information that was just picked up from the ether <laughs> that I would just blurt out. Um, you know, they were used to picking up on information like that too and taking it seriously, which I yeah. think reinforces the tendency and helps foster the skill and build build something like that early on in life. And I th I think that's absolutely essential, actually, because when people say to me, it's like, what is like the key thing to help them um, like connect with their own intuition? 
And for me, it's about trust. It's about becoming a person of your word so that you trust yourself. You trust those intuitive insights. And I love that you just use the word like, oh, she's a sensitive child because it just had echoes. I was like, oh my goodness, that took me right back to childhood, you know? And it's like how many people, in fact, all children have the ability to be aware, whether it's like an imaginary friend, whether it's just knowing things that aren't there but they're told to be silly or to forget about it, or it was just a dream. And straight away, we, it's probably, I would say it's probably one of our first times in our life when we're taught not to trust ourselves or that we dismiss something that felt important to us, but the adults or the caregivers are telling us, no, no, that's silly. You're just being sensitive. And so we start giving our power away at such a young age, don't we? Because it's like, oh, I must be wrong. And so the next yes, time and- we have that feeling, we like, oh, I must be wrong because <laughs> we fall into that pattern. And we see that right through adulthood when suddenly we're there going, oh, I don't know how to trust myself. How do I make a decision? Or we make that decision and then change our mind because we don't trust ourselves enough to move forward. So, so yeah, whew, that word sensitive <laughs> went streaming yes. through my body then. <laughs> <laughs> and and also we do ourselves such a disservice. And I find it very interesting now that when people talk about things like self-defense and being aware on the street and this, that, and the other, mm-hmm. and you know, there are people preaching about how no one listens to their gut instincts and, and people who do get assaulted or end up um, victims of crimes talk about they knew, they knew beforehand that something was off and they mm-hmm. disregarded it. And it is because throughout our entire lives, we are taught over and over again to not trust those signals that come from inside ourselves. Um, And we have to take them with a grain of salt. We have to learn how to interpret them, but they're important and they shouldn't be disregarded out of hand. But can you imagine though, if you were taught when you were younger, like discernment of those feelings and which was a fear-based one, which was like a warning sign from the body, what was like going, pay attention rather than just going, oh no, it's all silly. Because like you right, say, right. it does end up being, oh, I don't want to say anything so it'll make somebody un- else uncomfortable. And it becomes more important not to make the other person uncomfortable than to trust our own discomfort. And yeah. Ooh. So no, yeah, no wonder people are always <laughs> saying, Rebecca, why can't I trust myself? Or I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not intuitive. And it's like, we are, but it's kind of been like molded out of ourselves, hasn't it? Yeah. 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 And then when you get to adulthood, it's like people say, oh, it was my intuition, but actually they're confusing it with fear, with trauma, with emotion. And none of that is their intuition talking at all. So yes, a lot of a lot of unlearning to go when it comes to the energy of trusting ourselves. Exactly. So yeah. I mean, so amazing that you were brought up in a family. Like you say, even if it was very subtle, <laughs> but to have that there where your dreams were acknowledged, where your, you know, do you feel looking back now that you were like counseled through that, albeit through like veils of yeah, through, <laughs> not through of veils. subtlety? Through yeah. Rather <laughs> than going, through. Oh, darling, you're psychic. Let me let's have a little sit down and have a chat about this, shall we? <laughs> this is what might happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More from demonstration than explicit mm. speech. I got to watch my mother and grandmother t- trusting their intuition. Yeah. I got to hear stories about very strange occurrences that happened and how listening to one's intuition got them out of a sticky situation. Um, And I also, uh, you know, mom would just do things so casually. 
And and the thing that I remember most when it comes to intuition or divination, anything like that is not often, not every time I sat down with a cup of tea, but if I sat down with a cup of tea and there were tea leaves in the cup, occasionally she would just scoop the cup up and very matter of factly look at it and say a thing or two about what she sees in the cup and what it means and then put it down. And that was it. She wouldn't answer questions about it. And if I asked her to do it, she'd be like, I don't read tea leaves. I so, love that about your family. We don't do that. It's like, you so do. <laughs> it's like, all you do it. <laughs> so it, it became very much a fabric of our day, the day-to-day. It, well, there wasn't a lot of pomp and ceremony about it. It was just kind of like woven in with everything else that we were doing, which probably sounds familiar with a lot of the other practices that I talk about. Yep, the entire book. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but th- there is something I think that's really lovely about it being so natural and so part of everyday life. Because again, people are like, oh, but don't you have to have special skills? And I'm assuming that you might, we might be on the same page here, where I think everybody has the ability to do it. Yes. yes. Um, people ask me and they say, mm-hmm. you know, do you need a special gift to be psychic or can you just learn? And I say yes to both of those because you need a special gift, but everybody has that gift. Yeah. And then that gift may not take you very far unless you also develop it, learn with it, grow with it. And and it's a skill, you know, isn't it? It is a skill. Yeah. So it's a, like a the muscle. More we practice, the more you the better use we get. it. Yeah. Yeah. So what what do you see as the difference between intuitive and psychic? So I think that for me, at least, Mm -hmm. intuitive carries the connotation of in the present. It's it's you're picking up information about the present, your present situation, the environment that you're in or you're Mm -hmm. the person that you're talking to right now. And then psychic can do be that. But it's broader where you can also pick up on past impressions, future impressions, mm. you know, as, and so it, it is of a broader scope. Um, so th- that's kind of how I differentiate in my mind. But yeah. really, the words can be used interchangeably in a lot of cases. Yeah, because people often say to me, you psychic, like as for me, and I'm like, oh, no, I, I never considered myself psychic. And then someone said to me <laughs> one day, but what do you consider somebody to be psychic? And I was like, you know, someone that's like very in tune, people that like can channel those kind of messages. And they were just like, and what do you think you do, Rebecca? And I was like, um, but I still don't think I'm psychic. So yeah, for me, <laughs> it's like, I think culturally that word psychic has connotations that I'm still not like claiming. I'm like, intuitive still feels safer to me. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's but a label. It- I'm like, yeah, that's good. But yeah, I know that um, in your book, you talk about like, um psychic like developing such psychic abilities so i was just wondering what your definitions of those were yeah and and again it's it's those connotations are so hard because they can bring barriers to people some people hear psychic and they think charlatan yes they think performer they think all kinds of things mm-hmm. other than just picking up on those things around you in in a non verbal in slash intuitive way like so, so I think it's difficult because sometimes the words carry, they're heavy with significances that we don't even realize the other people put with them. Yeah. And then we have to, to be careful how we explain or express the ideas because you don't want someone's baggage with the word to shut them out of the conversation or make them feel like that's not what they want to be a part of. Yeah. 
so I mean we could have we could go down that world, but let's not. Let's come back to <laughs> finding our own power and trusting. I was like, oh, there's a story. And I was like, no, no, let's talk about let's talk about your first deck of cards or your first tool oh. of divination. What was it? The audience can't see it your was, beautiful smile there. She was like, oh, reminiscing. <laughs> this is one of my card. favorite. This is one of my favorites. So it was a deck of tarot cards. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the, and I can never remember the name of it. I've got the deck behind me. If I can grab it very quickly. Because it is the J one JJ Swiss tarot deck. Oh, so I've never heard of that. What kind of imagery is that? It's a Marseille-style deck, mm, um, and it's older imagery, kind of medieval-looking imagery. Um, and what happened was is I, when I was about 11, I went to the library with my dad, and I checked out a book, and the book had information about tarot in it. Mm-hmm. And so I brought that to my mother as she was washing the dishes in the kitchen, and I held the book up to her and said, I want this. And I was not like this as a child. I was like, these right here. and um, Promptly forgot about it. Yeah. And then uh, my family celebrates St. Nicholas night, which is December 5th. And St. Nicholas comes and he leaves treasures in your shoe if you've been a good kid. And that year he left me a deck of tarot cards and a book on how to read tarot. Oh, wow. <laughs> how Nicholas. old were you? Yeah, how old I was were you? 11. Then? 11. Mm-hmm. So that really kicked things off for me in a more formal way um learning divination and um like really starting to pay attention to psychic abilities and what tarot can do the imagery in tarot the symbolism in tarot and how people believe that those are keys to help open up your psychic abilities especially with major arcana cards and all of that kind of started very early for me and kind of started me on my path and did you stay with cards for a long time or did you very quickly bring in other tools of divination? I stayed with cards forever and ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> uh, so tarot was a big thing. The only thing until I was mm-hmm. 16 when I got my first Lenormand deck, absolutely fell in love with Lenormand. Um, and then that opened up the world of Oracle cards, um, which I've never used heavily but i collect because they're gorgeous Um, (laughs) they are aren't they yeah i can't help it uh but yeah so i have primarily used cards my entire life um for focused intentional intuitive work or Mm. psychic work um you know and then other stuff comes to me like i've walk into a place and I can feel a presence or feel information and and I get information that way too. Um, But if I'm going to sit down and do a reading for someone, it's going to involve cards. It always involves cards. Do you, do you think the cards give you the answers or do you think you find the answers through the cards? I think that you find the answers through the cards. I think that there is this special mental alchemy that happens when you look at an image in in any kind of card, whether it's tarot, oracle, anything. And the the symbolism, of course, there's book formal symbolism for all the images Mm -hmm. that's on a card. 
Um, but then you have your own personal symbolism that you associate with things that can very much affect and influence the meaning that you get out of a card. Um, and I have found that the, the combination of those two things is what sparks the mental process that brings the answer. So it's like a kickstart to the brain and then the brain mm. susses out what's going on and what the message is. Um, so I definitely think it's me through the cards um, yeah. rather than the cards <laughs> through me. And I loved what you said in the book. It's like you can have three psychics in the room and you'll get four versions of the truth or four yes. answers, wasn't it? And I and I think that's really true. And, you know, we started this conversation on the last call, but it was like, that's why I love charm casting, because it it demands that you step away from a guidebook and what and I don't know say a sunshine came up and it's like what does that sunshine mean to me today and then another day it might mean something different or if you see a sunshine yes. with a cloud it might mean something different or if you see a sunshine and a I don't know a fish again it might mean something completely different and it's like what is it in that yeah. moment and I loved the story again in your book that you shared about when you realized you were pregnant so do you want to share that with the listeners if they haven't read the book yet and if you haven't yeah it is available in all good bookstores <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I was walking down the street and I was minding my own business, but I was wondering if I had become pregnant or not. And it was way too early to actually know or do a test or anything. Mm. And as I was walking, I saw a combination of things. I saw a very small leaf. I saw a spiral snail shell, very tiny, and a little tiny ladybug, and they were all very close together. I saw them all at once, and I went, I, it was like a, just a bolt from a blue lightning bolt. And I was like, oh my God, I'm pregnant, and it's with a little girl. And from that moment, I just was absolutely convinced, um, and it turned out I was pregnant, and it was with a little girl. And yep. We just celebrated her 12th <laughs> birthday. <laughs> Oh, happy birthday to all of you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But, um, you know, and people ask why they're like, okay, so break that down. Why does mm. that? Um, because even uh, one of one of the people that edited my book said, okay, you've got to explain why those three things let you know. And I was like, now nobody walked up and gave me a, a guidebook to Flora and fauna. I was in Australia at the time. Yeah. Flora and fauna of Australia and what they mean, uh, you know, symbolically, it just came um, because everything was tiny and small and cute. And the ladybug looked mm. like something that would be on a baby's onesie. And, and that was it. I was convinced. Um, I, I think it's the difference, though, isn't it, between intellectual knowing and like intuitive knowing. And you yeah. can't really reason intuition because the second you try and dissect intuition it runs away there's nothing left it's like mist it's like you're blowing on yeah. it to try and make it reveal yourself so you blow on the mist <laughs> and the mist just vanishes and it's like I, th I think culturally we're not very good at knowing full body knowing we're very good at knowing intellectually mm. and being able to reason and say this is why I believe this because x y and z but we're not very good at having that. I just know. <laughs> yes. I can say to people, I'm like, there's a knowing, and then there's a knowing, and I think that's mm. the different. It needs it almost needs a different word for it. it's like our own internal mythology, almost our own internal uh, landscapes of 
an intellectual, I can explain this to others knowing. And a, oh, I just know I'm pregnant because those three little things. It's like, you can't dissect it. It doesn't make logical sense. But that symbology to us is just like, oh yeah, that's the answer. And I often find that in life. It's like, are we doing something? And it'll just click into place. And it doesn't look like anything different. And I couldn't explain how it has clicked into place, but it just, it almost like aligns differently in my body. And I'm like, oh, that's it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, and, and it's, and I talk in the book too about how sometimes that knowing, you know, a lot of times my knowing's all up in my head. I'm an air sign and I'm very air sign. I'm Gemini. <laughs> Um, and so it's a lot up in my head and I'm like, boing. And it's like, I feel like, a, you know, someone that literally turned a light bulb on, but mm. there are times when it's a physical knowing it's a sensation in the body. And that is, you know, you feel a weight on your chest or you feel a weight lift or you feel something elsewhere. And, um, I think a lot of people that go, I'm not psychic. I've never had a psychic impression in my life they're missing the bigger picture in that it's not just, um, you know, it's not like some entity comes and taps you on the shoulder and says, here's the information that you need to know right now. And I'm going to do my, my spiritual PowerPoint presentation and everything you need to know. People you know, try that. <laughs> Give me one more sign. No, one more. No. And I know I need another one. <laughs> They want that PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) Yes. And sometimes that would be nice because it's a lot easier than sorting out what it all means. But I think that, you know, sometimes it's an emotional gist that we get with Mm -hmm. no words. And sometimes it's a physical feeling. And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, all, all, you know, and then there's all the clairs to talk about. You know, there's the, you know, the seeing, hearing, taste, smell, uh, audio. So, um, there's so many different ways to pick up on, on a message. And I think that's why there's that three psychics for, for interpretation things. Mm. Sometimes it's because once one person might be picking up on an emotional vibe while another person's picking up on feeling something in their body rather than an actual emotional feeling. And it can alter how you interpret the information that you're picking up. Mm. And let's face it, if you're doing it for yourself, it can depend on whether you want to receive that information or not. And if you're doing it for someone else, it might depend on whether they want to receive the information or not, or whether they're ready to. So we are complex little creatures. (laughs) So you've had your deck at 11. You're fully thrown into all things tarot. Where does your intuitive exploratory journey go next? Well, where it is heading right now is that I have spent a lot, a lot of time recently with Blade Normand because of the deck that I created, and I am loving uh, continuing to explore. Which Lenormand. is a beautiful and available on Etsy. Oh, Link will be in the show notes. Thank, <laughs> thank you very much. And I, oh, I may say too that um, I'm about to start a weekly series of blog posts on my website about um, deep dives on each card in the deck specifically to for my deck with a breakdown of all the symbolism so that Fantastic. is a thing that starts the first post happens today actually oh brilliant we'll put that in the show notes too for people to go and have a deep dive into that because i'm less Ooh, familiar with that style of card i do have a charm to represent every card in that deck um i know That's like i say cool. obsessed by charms um let me so what takes you from tarot to there 
So before, like, mm. I have like three things I want to ask you. Go. <laughs> First is, I want to know how you put together a set of charms. Like, oh, okay. Because that to me sounds as complex as putting together, like doing your own Oracle deck or something like that. Oh, no. It's, oh my goodness. You could do it sat at your desk without even moving. Okay. So I, I always say you. you just need six or eight charms to start with. I have like four to 500 of them. That would overwhelm even the most sensible of people. Um, but you just need something that represents something to you. So if you looked around your desk or in your drawers right now, <laughs> what do you have? You might well have a safety pin, a paper paper clip. You might have a, a broken jewelry charm. You might have a, a dice. You could have, if you have, you know, you have a child, you might have old little, um, well, you could have like a chess set or you might have old Monopoly characters and the board games long gone and you just want some little items that that when you look at it you're like oh yes so like for example a paperclip you might go oh that's holding things together or it could represent something that's broken or needs healing depending of an age where you had a bandage with a you know paper um <laughs> a safety pin through it yeah um a paperclip like holding things together it could be documents you could associate that with work a dice you could use the numbers which could represent numerology it could use um, you could decide to throw it once or twice and it could represent some, the months of the year. It, you know, you could just put, there's nothing you can't do with numbers. Um, so you just assign what that charm means to you in that moment. And mm, okay. you can, so like I say, anything around your table. And then you can get fancy and go, okay, I want something to represent relationships. I don't know what, you know, maybe that you've got a little heart charm lying around for, that you had in a Christmas cracker. Oh, you don't have Christmas crackers in America, do you? Um, <laughs> we do. Uh, I brought that uh, tradition back from Australia, Yay. from living in Australia. So. <laughs> I wanted to send a friend of mine in America somewhere. I'm like, oh, we probably can't send the bang through the post. <laughs> but yeah, so you just collect things that, I mean, I love working with like, I've got lots of like little silver charms and I purposely mm -hmm. create sets to mean certain things. Um, and they're, they're very hardy, but you can use shells, pine cones. I go around my garden and just collect things to go, oh, I'm going to make a little charm casting set for today and I'll come back with a pebble and it might be like a certain size or one might be rough and one might be smooth and I'll assign different meanings to a rough one or a smooth one or a pine cone might mean like intuition or growth or longevity. Um, maybe there's some sycamore seeds, the ones like the little helicopters, and yeah. that might be fun and play. And, and so you can just collect whatever's around you. And it might be a forever set, like my silver charms, or it might be an in-the-moment set while you're playing in the garden. You can just cast some charms on the grass with the things that you've collected around you. And you oh either... Gosh, that sounds fun. It's it's so fun. But I think because it doesn't technically come with a guidebook, people are a little <laughs> bit like, oh, my God, but if I pull this, what does it mean? And I'm, But like you said earlier, it's like different things mean different things to different people at different times or different days yeah, and so different what hours. What were you asking what were you asking at the time, you know, before you delve into, uh, you know, what it means? You have to correlate it to what was being focused on or asked about. Because Yeah, so kind of like the same questions you would ask the tarot or any cards. You can ask the charms. Mm -hmm. What should I do about this? And you can cast the charms and you notice like the individual ones. So if I have a my pot of 500 I didn't chuck them all on the table I just like pick some and then <laughs> throw sometimes like 20 might come up and sometimes like one or two might come up and I'll look for the patterns I'll look to mm. see 
I'll like have a mat. And if you imagine, say, it's, it's, I actually have maps that I cast onto, which makes it easier to like tell the story. But you can imagine them on the, even if you haven't got anything you've cast them onto, you just cast them onto the floor or, or onto a table. If they're all at the top, you might say, oh, that's our intellect, you know, <laughs> or if they're all at the bottom. You might think, oh, that's our subconscious. If they're all to the left, it could be stuff from the past. In the middle, it's the present. To the right, it's the future or whatever feels appropriate to you. And you just notice, like, if they're all clustered together, if they're scattered all over the, pl- the place, just like in tarot, you might have a signifier card. You can do the same with um, the charms. You go, this is going to represent me. And then if all the charms end up by my head, so I'm obviously thinking mm. too much about something. If they're really <laughs> far away from me, it's like, oh, the, you know, I need to bring things closer or what am I pushing to the sides? So there is no limit to how you interpret them. And so for me, it's like, start simple, start small and just have fun. And a really lovely way to use them is with cards. If you have your cards Mm -hmm. and then you, you know, if I laid out some cards, I'll often cast charms on top of my cards just to get another layer of a deeper layer of meaning for them. Oh, that so, sounds yes. exciting i'm inspired i'm gonna do it i'm gonna start making <laughs> she's like look around your desk and go like oh what should i have but yeah that's why I, I love it because you can just create stuff and you might add something to it and go i don't like that anymore and then you just remove it and then you replace <laughs> it or it grows or you become obsessed like me and you end up with like five six hundred of them but yes but start with five or six or like six or eight to start with and then you'll be like oh I'm having lots of questions about relationships in my life right now. And you might just bring in little ones that uh, represent relationship, or maybe you're finding you're talking about business and money a lot. So you might bring in a lot of like business and money charms that relate to that. So it's like whatever your interests, it's kind of like Oracle cards, whatever your interest is, you'll find a card deck to suit you. You know, whether it's cats, whether it's fairies, whether it's, I bet there's <laughs> frogs on their head somewhere, you know, <laughs> it's like whatever your interest is, you're going to find a set. And that's what I love about the charms. I even have um, Harry Potter le- mini Lego figures and I'll cast oh. mi- uh, Lego mini figures and they'll give me <laughs> messages. Yeah, <laughs> It's like, oh, I need to be more like Hermione awesome. right now, or I need to be more protective like Hagrid or... You know, and it's just like, again, just bringing in the archetypal characters and the messages. So, yes. That is so cool. Very exciting. (laughs) And I'll I'll stop there. So that was your first question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you answered a lot of them in that explanation because it was all about how to build your charm kit and have. Mm. So, okay. I am in one of the things that I'm doing is I am starting to create a new Oracle deck that is not based on Lenormand or anything. It is just mm-hmm. an Italian American Oracle deck uh, that incorporates a lot of the things from the book into the deck. And Fantastic. my big concern when I started was, well, how do I make this a complete picture mm-hmm. growing up with tarot? You know, what are you taught about tarot? That it it encompasses every possibility that it is this wildly versatile um, container for all of these different concepts and possibilities and potential outcomes. And, and so little old me going, well, how do I create and build something that is as, as universal and that can encompass all of the potential outcomes that could be out there while someone's using this deck. And it became this real stumbling block for a long time 
because I was convinced that I just was not capable of constructing something like a tarot evolved over hundreds of years. And how am I going to think, how am I going to do this thing? Um, but, you know, there are different internal structures and methods to use to make sure that it's complete. And also realizing that because people use that internal symbolism, that personal symbolism, that no matter what system you give them, it will be complete for them if they go off their intuition. It was a big realization for me. And so I was wondering if like there was a um, set beginning set of charms that people all start out with and then they elaborate on, or if if yeah. you ever get concerned about having that large potential of outcomes. So it sounds like if you have 500 charms, you've got all the bases covered. Everything. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I've got, I've even got in my charm set, little um, metal tarot cards. <laughs> I've got like oh, the sun and the moon and the, you know, the star and like the empress. So again, you can bring in whatever your things are. But I think, you know, when you think about your book, it's like everyday life, isn't it? And it's like bringing on that ancestral ancestral energy. It's bringing on in that energy of the heritage. And it's like, that's what your card deck has to reflect, really, isn't it? It's like, yeah. this is everyday life. And I think still to today, and, you know, people can feel very intimidated by the tarot when they see things like, you know, the hanged man or death or tower. Whilst I actually see those cards quite positively, because I'm like, oh, Big change. This is exciting. Um, Let's go. It's like roll up those sleeves. We're we're up for a we're up for an adventure right now. And you know, the way that sometimes tarot or like, you know, we've talked about earlier, like psychic, I'm air quoting for, for the listeners, um, is translated into our culture. It's very misinterpreted. So I think sometimes it that is a barrier to entry, which is why I think oracle mm. oracle cards are so um accessible for so many people. And I think when I think about you and Burner Black Candle, it is so accessible, but it has that rich heritage. So I don't think it needs to be like, oh, we're going to have a major, we're going to have, a, you know, the minor cards, and we're right. going to have stories within stories within stories, because we have that anyway. I think that's so embedded, you know, like every movie follows the same journey as the tarot, which is the hero's journey, which mm -hmm. is like the monomyth. And it's like, we're going to start here. We're going to have a challenge. We're going to think we've come that we'll have a dark night of the soul. Then we're going to return home <laughs> victorious. And then we're going to start off again. We're going to have the call and have the challenge. And it's always, it's always that whether we're making a choice, whether we're making a major life decision, whether it's the overarching story of our entire life. It's like that, archetypal energy i think is so embedded into our culture because you know when the tarot was was created we didn't have star wars and you know all of those films that just portray <laughs> that that monomyth over and over and over and over again for us so i think people are much more whether they realize it or not it's much more embedded into our society that people are going to find that rich depth themselves mm. they don't need that I'm going to hold your hand and I'm going to walk you through the entire thing because actually it's already in our culture, whether we realize it or not. So I, I think I'm excited for that other deck too. Um, <laughs> I think having something that's very accessible and very practical. And I think your whole story is about the, not, uh, not the simplicity, but just the, the, just how natural it is. It's well, not it's, supposed it's, to be this big, like, oh, oh no. it's the tarot. It's like, oh, no. yeah, this is like 
someone's just touched my arm and said, oh, she's sensitive, this one. And you're like, oh, that feels special. And I feel, <laughs> but it's also doesn't, you know, fear, it doesn't fill me with fear either. It's just like, oh, that's lovely. I'm, I'm special. Um, <laughs> in, in this part of the world, uh, it's not Italian phrase, it's a Southern American phrase, it's, but feeling down home, you know, feeling that cozy feeling of, of the household and, and yeah. being in your comfort zone and, and the, feeling safe. the so so far the way this new oracle is mm. this deck doesn't even have a name yet it doesn't have a publisher it doesn't have anything yeah it's just coming home to just yourself, has a bunch, yeah. bunch of, just bunch of ideas uh right now it's been putting out to the universe that mm. you know i do want this deck to come out um but it, i ended up with a bunch of opposites um so everyday items everyday concepts but that were paired and opposite so Children are very significant in Italian-American culture, of course, in place in all cultures, and ancestors. So there's a child card, there's an ancestor card, mm. and they work as foils to each other, as well as being uh, significant in their own right. And that's the way it goes throughout the entire deck, is that concepts are paired, um, and that you could even take a shadow reading is my idea. So if you yeah. pull three cards, you can think, well, what three foil cards are missing? And what does that absence tell me about the situation as well as what is present? Um, so I love that. Like what's absent there? Yeah. Cause I think as a society, we're not very good at that sometimes, are we? We're not very good yeah. at sitting in the emptiness, in the silence, in the stillness, in the absence of something. We're very quick to fill the space, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. Yeah. And so, yeah, oh, that feels very, very powerful. So what mm. led you to that then? Because you said you've been researching. Um, yeah. So I think that well, it's very odd what led me to it. So I love that you're whispering. <laughs> oh, it's, a a story. <laughs> it's a secret, everybody. All the bunches of people that have listened to this. So, so I really like <laughs> old manuscripts. I like grimoires. I like old texts on memory palaces and memory techniques. I love all of that. Ooh, yeah. And one thing, and my partner does too, my partner is way into memory, how memory works and memory techniques. Mm -hmm. And I had found uh, mention of this text that I looked at a scan of it online. And it was a text that was uh, part text, part memory palace. So memory palace is just a spatial organization for you to help store your memories so you can retrieve them easily. But the way this book was organized, it was partially a memory palace in that you opened it to the very middle and the two pages corresponded and had information. And then the pages on either side of them corresponded to each other and the pages on two, you know, on either side of that oh, corresponded wow. to each other. Yeah. So as you're, I don't know how anyone would read this book because they'd have to like <laughs> fold up the two pages and then look at the two pages that were exposed and then fold but that got me thinking about, I was like, oh, you know, not organizing a guidebook to a deck that way necessarily, because it'd be hard to read, but mm -hmm. how would it be to have an Oracle deck and you open up a guidebook and on the left-hand side is the card possibly that you're looking for, like a child, mm -hmm. and you're reading the interpretation on that. But on the right-hand side, here's a foil. Here's the opposite card in the deck. There's your ancestor card. There's your ancestor mm. card. And what does it mean when you read those meanings together and combine them, that synthesis, what does that 
bring to your mind? How how does that inform your interpretation? Yeah. Uh, and that is an idea stolen straight from emblem books themselves and that they give you bits of information that you're supposed to synthesize and then come up with the allegorical meaning. So, so t- was, talk, to, talk to me about emblem books, because that was something I only learned from you last time when, when I went to go and look at your deck. And I was like, oh, what's an emblem <laughs> book? So, yeah, um, maybe I'm so the last to know. But <laughs> just no, they, they've been around since about the 1400s. Mm. Um, the first one was um, created in Italy. Uh, they were they were very, very popular in the 1600s. And the the um, deck, my emblemated deck is based off of a book that came out, um, George Withers' uh, emblem book came out, I can't remember the exact date, but it was in the 1600s. And I like to tell people that, and it's often said that they were our first multimedia entertainment. Um, So if you can picture being in like the 1400s, 1600s even, and you have this book in your house, and it's got this incredibly gorgeous, intricate allegorical picture you're not 100% sure what that picture means. But accompanying that image on the page is a rhyming couplet or some prose, um, perhaps even a, a, a line of uh, music. And what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to read the couplet, read the prose, look at the picture, perhaps think about the music or even go over to the piano or harpsichord or whatever. Play it. <laughs> what it was Synthes- like yeah. yeah. So that's how that multimedia concept comes into yeah. synthesize all that. And you're supposed to get a moral or religious or spiritual instruction by putting all of that together. And it's not explicit on the page. It is something that you have to construct from the building blocks that are there on the page. Isn't that interesting? Because it goes back to the three psychics in a room, four different outcomes because that piece of music (laughs) that rhyming couplet that how you feel in that day it it just brings it brings all of the senses together doesn't it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it really and again it's very airy I, i confess but it engages your mind on multiple levels yeah and i think because it involves things like poetry and images and music at times it also engages you on an emotional level and a spiritual level. And so it starts to bring together different modes of being and, and yeah. really engage you in what's on the page. And you can look up emblem books and find facsimiles of them online. And they're just gorgeous. You can spend hours just looking at them. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. That's the first thing I did after our call last time. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can have a look at these. And they are. They're so beautiful, aren't they? So like I can absolutely see why that you know that calls you so that's where you're heading so how do you use your divination like rather than just intuition but how do you use your divination in your regular practice is it something you do daily something you do regularly often I mean what does that look like for you so if I'm picking up a new tool like a new deck and I know we were Mm -hmm. talking uh, earlier I think before we were recording about um, there's a couple new decks that uh, types of decks that I have been working on learning. Yeah. That's when it's most likely that I will do a daily reading for myself yeah. as practice. And as as I do each daily reading, I journal about what cards appeared and what I interpreted it to be. And then I go back later and read it and go, well, is that what really happened? If not, what did happen? 
And how do the two differ and how can that inform my interpretation of those cards? (laughs) So I make it a, a, I love to journal and I love cards. And so when I'm learning a new deck, that's what I do. But in my actual practice, um, I do a weekly reading for myself about what, and it's not really a, what's going to happen this week. It is a, what should I be paying attention to this week? Mm. What's the most important uh, concepts and and ideas that I should focus on this week? Is it family, home life, work, uh, some, anything, you know, and all kinds of things come up that way. Um, And then the rest of the time, my divination practice for my family and myself is whenever anybody feels they need one. It's not very regulated and it's very much again yeah. in the context of the day. So if my partner's talking to me and he's like, I don't know what to do about this problem at work, for example, and you know, we go round and round talking about it, and eventually he'll ask or I'll say, I want me to get out <laughs> some cards. And he'll do the same yeah. for me too, because he yeah. is also a card reader. So <clears throat> do you find it easier to read for yourself or other people? I used to find it much easier to read for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I have used my journaling technique to force myself into a position of objectivity when I read for myself. And so over the course of the past several years, it's become a lot easier to read for myself. Yeah. But I think, I think, um, Part of the joy of divination and psychic impression is getting that information filtered through a third party that is not necessarily directly related to the scenario or situation. Mm. Um, And I think that so you're getting if you go to a reader, um, you're getting the content and the information filtered through them and their personality and what they choose and don't choose to say to you. And I think that can be just as significant as what they're actually picking up and what's in the cards and all of that. Um, so I think that a lot of times when it's a serious situation, I will go to someone else. Heck, I'll go to my daughter and she doesn't have a ton of interest in tarot. She got her first deck when she was like five. But, um, <laughs> you know, I'll be like, you know, pull some cards for mommy and let's just see mm-hmm. what comes up. And you tell me what you think when you look at them. Um, just that randomizing effect and what she might see that my my trained eye won't. Yeah, I, I like that about divination, that that randomizing function that can happen. Kids are fantastic at that, aren't they? I do this um, intuitive like test type thing on my Instagram, one of my Instagram pages. And I always put like three charms down. I say, I'm going to remove two, which one's going to be left? And the idea, people laugh when I say this, the idea isn't to get it right. (laughs) So it's like, if I put three charms down and you get it right, brilliant, but you're just going to feel pleased with yourself. When you get it air quotes (laughs) wrong, what I ask people to do is, notice like often people say oh I thought it was that one then I second guess myself and straight away it's like where else do you do that in life oh I felt Mm. it was that one but my brain told me it was this and it's like well where else are you overriding the feeling so it's the process that's way more important anyway sometimes I get my little boy to help me I'm like hey which charm shall I use and um, he'll help me like set up the little video and everything anyway I I, something I, I said to I said to him I said oh 
I wasn't expecting that to happen. He was like, oh, your intuition was incorrect, mummy. <laughs> and it's because that's what I say in because my last question on the charms is, was your intuition correct? And so he's like, oh, mummy, your intuition was incorrect. And I was like, I love that he's just like picking up on that. And, you know, I got something wrong. Um, <laughs> so we had a good laugh together. But I was just like, but they're they're so in their innocence. They don't have like the jadedness of like decades of lifetime, do they? And they can just pick stuff up just like this. It's, it's amazing. I, I love playing with like intuition and divination and all of those things. Not from a like, you obviously, which child ever do this, you're going to do this. But just to know that that's something they have access to or something that's available for them. I think is really powerful. Like you say, just, oh, just pull some cards for me. You know, it's just it's such fun just <laughs> letting them have a look. And I have so many decks of cards that, you know, he does come and come and play with them, but he loves the charms. He loves reading the stories when he sees the charms down. He's like, oh, I think it means this and this Aww. and this. And I'll be like, really? But I'm like, but it's not me reading it. So it doesn't matter what I think. It's what he is interpreting in the story yeah. he's telling in that moment. So, yeah, it, that, that is fun. So talking of like children coming back round here, one of the questions I was asked over on Instagram is that is that it was actually by a friend of mine. Um and she asks, where do you where do I begin? So where would you recommend somebody, knowing that most people have gone through that, oh, don't be so sensitive, you're imagining it, don't be silly as a child, and now as an adult, they spend a lot of time questioning themselves. Where do you recommend they begin? with either divination or connected, reconnecting with their intuition? So when it comes to reconnecting with the intuition, um, it's funny because you said a friend asked, and I'm going to give you a friend's answer because I, I picked up this uh, from a friend a long time ago, a practice he called checking the psychic weather. Mm, and that I was saw that phrase in your just, book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just taking a minute or two each day, whenever you can, whenever it's convenient, to be quiet and give yourself a chance to sense things and not worry too much about, am I going to pick up a message? Is it going to be significant? But just to really feel yourself in your body and feel yourself in your brain and kind of open up because you're receiving stuff all the time. You're receiving information and messages that you're probably disregarding. And so it's not so much a question of how do I open myself up? It's a how do I pay enough attention to myself to start interpreting what I'm picking up correctly and not just, dis you know, discarding it. But I think that doing so both puts you in a habit where you start, you know, uh, doing this and it, it, starts talking to your subconscious and saying, hey, subconscious, I think this is really important. These messages that I'm getting, even though I've been disregarding them for most of my life, now I think they're important subconscious and I want you to highlight them for me. And I want to be able to see them and see the patterns. And we talk through our subconscious through actions and images and all, all kinds of things that are nonverbal. So you taking a moment or two each day, literally 30 seconds, 60 seconds, if that's all you can manage, because mm -hmm. I know everyone's like, oh, it only takes five minutes a day for everything. Well, <laughs> if you're doing that for a bunch of different things, you don't have five minutes. So just take a couple moments for yourself. Mm -hmm. Oh, like feel what you're feeling. And if you can, scribble it down and then go back to it a week or two later and say, okay, how accurate was I? 
How well did I interpret what I was feeling at that time? Not was I psychic enough? Because you are psychic enough and you were psychic enough to pick something up. But how did I interpret it? And was it correct? Or do I need to work more on understanding my personal symbolism and and how to interpret what I'm picking up? And I think what you said there is really important is like the making note of it. Because we all think, I'll remember that. (laughs) I will. Oh, definitely. It felt so significant. I'll definitely remember that. And then life. (laughs) And then even by the end of the day, you're like, what was it? And I think there's something really powerful in seeing something written down. It's like whenever I do work with people and they have like a significant like, oh my goodness, this is what I want to be doing. And I'm like, please write it down. Because as soon when we see something written down, it's like it's real. And they mm-hmm. and you can believe it and reconnect to that energy. But if you're like, oh remember it, it just feels so perfect. I'll never forget this feeling. <laughs> then life. And then, and then you're like, yep. was it really that significant? Perhaps I imagined it. And then again, we're blowing up mist. And before we know it, it's it's dispersed and we're like, oh well, I'll try again tomorrow. So yeah, I think that writing it down is really important. And what you've said there is very much like if anyone ever works with their dreams and it's like oh but I never remember Mm -hmm. my dreams it's like well you keep a notepad in your pen next to your bed saying to universe look it's important I've got a notepad and pen right here and you might not remember for the first few nights or weeks but you'll start getting snippets and it's like even if you're just like it's a color pink I felt warm you know whatever it is it's like oh she is listening and then you'll start remembering more and more and more and I think like we said at the beginning intuition psychic abilities is a skill. The more you do them, the easier it becomes, the stronger that muscle becomes. The more you start trusting yourself, the more you can interpret, was that a message or was that my sneaky subconscious trying to play a trick on me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Was was I hungry? (laughs) I'll risk sounding like a hypocrite here because I'm someone that always wants things yesterday. Mm -hmm. But we have to be, when we're doing this work, gentle with ourselves and we have to allow our things to happen at their own pace. And if you're you know, have a buddy and you're doing it together, your buddy may figure it out faster than you. Or they may, you know, be receiving messages that they understand easier sooner than you, but it does not matter. What matters is that you're gentle with yourself while you're doing it so that you continue to encourage yourself to do what needs to be done to perfect those skills and practice those skills. Because let's face it, comparison is going to be the the absolute thief of any kind of intuition here, isn't it? Oh, I'm just not intuitive enough. They've worked it out first. And it's like, no, <laughs> that's just not how it works. Brilliant. So that's that's where someone was just looking through my list of questions here that people asked. So um, I love this question. How do you know you're right? You know, when you've had an intuitive um, insight or when you've drawn some cards and you're like, oh, I think it means this. How how do you know you're right? Because I have, I have a funny story about this. Well, I think it's funny. Well, <laughs> it's hard. There's so, like, I want to answer this four different ways. Um, because that's the, how four. The, first, <laughs> the safe answer is trust, but verify. Mm. Trust yourself. But for if you're intuiting something major, major, then make sure that you find another way to verify it. Talk to another person who is intuitive and ask them without giving them kind of any information about what you're what you received. Ask them to try to intuit the same thing and see what they find out. Or if you can in the real world, verify it. 
Um, and the reason why I say that is because a lot of times when I do professional readings for people, they're asking me questions that even though I have great faith in myself and my intuition and my cards, I don't want them to go off and make their entire decision based on <laughs> just me and my cards. And it's important that you realize that no one's 100%. And if mm-hmm. you're talking about, should I leave my partner or should I quit my job and move across the country? You don't want to go off just a card reading <laughs> for stuff like that. Um, I will say as your skills develop, particularly when you're intuiting and doing readings for yourself, you will feel it in some way or you will know mm-hmm. it in some way. And Again, but there's that thing about taking the time because it takes time and experience to know what that feels like. It feels different for every single person. It's not going to feel the same for me. Like I can tell you what it feels like for me. It is a feeling in my chest and it's like a thrill, like I've almost gone down a roller coaster. (laughs) But that's not what it probably feels like for you, Rebecca. And it's Mm. not what it's going to feel like for anybody else. And So there's that concept too. And then the other way of knowing um, is that journaling and documenting and going back and checking. I'm a huge fan of that. And I I draw it into people's heads all the time that record keeping and then going back and checking yourself, that starts helping you to identify what that right feeling feels like. Yeah. So I, you know, it's a multi multifaceted uh, method, but you should always, for big decisions, big intuitions, or if something really comes out of the blue and it seems really, really crazy, you should verify separately. Yeah. I remember I had someone come to me once and they said, they weren't, they weren't a client of mine, but they were like, oh, I've just made this really big decision. And they told me what the decision was. And my, I was just like, really? <laughs> Why did you do that? And they said, oh, I could just tell. It, it was, they said, it just felt so intuitive. And I was like, tell me what that feeling felt like for you. And they're like, oh, it was just like I was about to take off on an airplane. And I had that whoosh in my stomach. And everything about this situation, I'm there going, that wasn't your intuition. <laughs> That was emotions. That was old traumas, and you know, because it was around something to do with money, so it was, it was a very emotive subject. And I was like, "Oh!" And so I asked kindly what kind of you know action they had taken to support this, and um, they're like, "Oh, I can just tell Rebecca." And it was it was too elated, you know. For me, intuition mm. is that that kind of peacefulness. It's not high. It's not low. It's just a knowing, and that's how it shows up for me. And it just felt too jazz hands. <laughs> I was like, oh, and it it didn't turn out the way that they had hoped, you know, because it had been mm. too adrenaline fueled. And it was like that last last attempt, her last hope at getting something sorted. And it, it didn't work out the way that she wanted it to. And I just think, oh, it's why I think it's just like you said, the journal, the documentation, the verification, all of that. You can't beat time. (laughs) You know, it's like the practice and trusting yourself and all of that. Mm. I think, too, when it comes to making decisions like that, people feel like when they intuit something, that then they have to act on it right away, that they'll miss their opportunity somehow. And um, I'll never forget, um, I once upon a time was lucky enough to have my cards read by Lon Milo Duquette. um, And he's 
fantastic and amazing mm-hmm. human being. And he's written lots of books on the occult and divination, tarot and Crowley and all kinds of things. And um, I was asking him, my partner and I were being at the reading together. And so we wanted to know, because we do, we were doing classes on esoteric subjects and um, we wanted to know, should we continue to pursue this, Mm. you know, as a, as a side profession, as, you know, something to provide to the esoteric community or, you know, should we give up on it? And before he read one card, he looked at us and said, is it easier to do than not do? And I was like, what? He's like, mm-hmm. if 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 the universe is calling you to do this, it'll be easier to do it than it is to avoid it. You won't be able to avoid doing it because if it's truly something that is fated to happen, then by God, it's going to happen. No matter what decision you make, you're going to find yourself railroaded into, you know, doing something It's this if it's that significant to you. And I thought about that a lot. Um you know, and and we joke about it a lot uh, to this day. Anytime there's a big decision, it's just like, is it if if we don't do anything, is the opportunity going to dissolve in front of us? Um, because if so, does that mean then that it was the right decision or the wrong? You know, like should we yeah. have even sometimes not making the decision gives your gives you the time to focus and reflect and figure out if what you're intuiting is the right thing sometimes the opportunity yeah. fades sometimes it becomes even more apparent and you can't avoid it then you know yeah and I love that actually like you said like giving yourself the space I always talk about like taking a sacred pause and it's exactly what you were talking about like taking the psychic weather it's just like just stop <laughs> even if it's for like 15 or 20 seconds and just go oh but when you are making those decisions it is interesting isn't it? it's like when well like oh but my intuition told me yes there's like that almost like panic it's like (laughs) the gods have spoken (laughs) it's like we've got it we've got to act now or you know i might get struck by lightning and it's like well actually if that's what your intuition is saying it's like well you can take a breath because you use the word because it's fated you know it's like well it's meant to be so you can take a pause is it easier to do that and i I shared before like my book (laughs) magical knickers my editor first was like, mm, I don't think you should have that name. And I, you know, I don't think it really works. I'm like, even now saying magical knickers still makes me laugh. And I'm like, no, it's got to be that name. And then yesterday it, I was about to get, I, I got it all uploaded onto Amazon. It was all ready to go. And I went, my, my friend had read the book and she gave me some feedback. She's like, oh my God, it was so good. And blah, 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 blah. And she said this. And I was like, one word that she wrote I just had that hit inside of me. And I was like, that's what I'm missing from the title. And so I was like, I'm going to change the title. And I was like, (gasps) I need to have it, everything done by like Wednesday. And this was Monday. And I've gone, right. So I've gone back to my designer and I said, right, this is the new title. And I was expecting them to say, right, I can get it to you by Friday. And I was like, well, if I have to push like my launch date back, I'll do that. By the time I logged onto my computer at 11.30 that morning, he, it was all done. Everything was done. All the imagery, all the book, everything was redone for me. And I was like, yeah. And sometimes we just know. <laughs> and it was wow. it was like a flash of lightning and it was and it was all done. You know, I'd I'd, I'd spent the whole night reflecting on it. <laughs> I'd gone, how well, am I it, doing you know, this? It's, but it's just like just that knowing. It's like that's why we need our intuition, because I could have ignored it. 
but there was one part of the title I was like, it's not quite right. And now it's like, again, it doesn't make logical sense because it's like really, really long now. But I'm like, but it encompasses everything in the book. It was the word <laughs> intention. And I was like, that's it. Every chapter of my book is about living intentionally, like having a magical life philosophy, creating habits, having a mindset. All of it is about mm. intention. And when she said the word intention, I had that knowing that I get inside of me. And I was like, that's the missing piece. And I was like, okay, how do I make this work if I'm going to make it work? Because it made no sense to change it so late. You know, the mm. the, the cost in time, energy, resources. And I was like, stress. But I was just like, okay. And like I said, sometimes it's easy. And it was just like, there it is, done by 11.30 in that morning. And I was like, oh, thank you very much. Everything's done and dusted. Clearly, that's the route we're going. But for me, wow. that whole intuition piece is about learning to trust yourself. And I couldn't have done that 20 years ago. I couldn't have done that 10 years ago. Right. I couldn't have even done it five years ago. But a friend of mine, I think I've shared this before, um, a friend of mine, her father had passed and she said to me, she wanted a message from him from me. And I'm like, oh, I, I, my, my head's like, I don't do messages from people that have passed. It's not what I do. I have no interest in it. If you look at my birth chart, it's all there. Psychic gifts talking to the, you know, like the deceased. And I'm like, ignore, ignore, ignore. Not a route. I'm happy to go down. So <laughs> when I'm like 80 or 90, sure, I'll pick, I'll pick that skill up then. But she asked me, and straight away, things came through. And I was like, damn it. So I said to her, I've heard this, but I don't know where I don't know where it's come from. You know, I don't know. You know, it could could mean something, it might not. And she just she just said to me, do you not trust yourself? And it was like someone had just slapped me around the face with a wet flannel. Oh and I was like, yeah, of course I do. She's like, was that the message? And I was like, yes. And suddenly it was just like, oh, my God, I can't not trust the information that came through. Right. And <laughs> it didn't seem like a very, because I didn't know him. And it didn't seem like a very, I've just passed, I love you, my daughter, kind of message <laughs> that I would like to have thought had come through. And she went, no, it's exactly the way he exactly what he would have said in his tone and everything and I was like oh and universe please don't do that to me again <laughs> but it, it but it is for me that energy of trust yeah it's just like it's, I just, it's funny. Yeah, she... oh you may have cut out oh <laughs> no it's fine no I was just about to say oh you still there yep I'm here yep. I'm sorry I think I had a little bit of a technical glitch <laughs> things skip. the energy is getting too much for the call no I was <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying it's like her asking me do you trust yourself it was like of course mm. I do absolutely and I think that's because I've just worked with my intuition for so long that I never not trust myself and it's really yeah, annoying because yeah. sometimes I try and trick myself and I know I can't do it <laughs> Like well, and, rats, yeah. And it's interesting, and I'm I'm thinking from the perspective of folks who might be listening, because it's like, you know, you have to accept yourself, you have to trust yourself, you have to listen to yourself. Yet, you do have to discern when you're really on, when you're really receiving messages, mm -hmm. and when you might be going off of, like you said, emotion fatigue. You know, some other thing might be you know, trauma might be informing what you're mm. receiving. Um, and so, you know, it is not 
I don't want it's not complex, but it is just something you have to be really patient with yourself while you're teasing out the difference between true intuition and other things that can affect your mood, other things that can affect your emotions. Um, yeah, it's not like you said, it's not complex, but it's not always easy either. And you have to put the time in to develop those skill sets. What helped you develop your skill sets? I mean, was there a time when you doubted yourself and when did you really feel like, oh, now I trust myself? Was there anything in particular or was it just showing up and doing the work? I was a sort of reading tarot professionally in 1997 Mm -hmm. and I spent the next, I don't know, 10 years being utterly terrified and not trusting myself <laughs> whatsoever. Um, and, and not through lack of knowledge or anything like that, but um, just I had a, some really interesting experiences with people who, I don't know why people who hate tarot card readers insist on coming and getting tarot card readings. Oh, wow. Who, yeah. You know, I, I had really, um, I had some folks who are very, um skeptical and not very gentle with the way that they spoke to me. I had all kinds of things happen. And then eventually I had a reading that I did for someone else professionally. And um they wanted a reading on their love life, they said. And so I said, right oh, I said, you know, here's the cards. They've been shuffled. Go ahead and you mix the cards up and and then hand them back to me. And I'm gonna lay these cards out. And it's his first reading. And I did a reading for him and the card said nothing about his love life and relationships. And it said it was talking about children and education. And um, I was prepared to hand him his money back. And I said, look, I said, none of these cards talk about your love life. They're all about children and education. And if you are not a teacher, you need to really consider being a teacher because you are set up to really enhance some kids' lives. And, and I'm just like spewing all of this mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm like, this guy's going to just and his whole face just the blood just drained out of his face and he said um I'm a graduate student and I'm in school to be a teacher he said and I have been teaching for years and I that's really secretly what I was thinking about while I was shuffling the cards because I wanted to see if you could really do this oh and that is when I finally said, it's that thing where show me a sign, show me a sign, show me a sign. I'm like, if if you do not believe in yourself after this, yeah. then hang up your shingle. Don't just give it up. Don't be a card reader mm-hmm. anymore because there has to come that watershed moment where you go, yeah, okay, I am doing okay, this and I stand in my own authority mm-hmm. and speak what I believe and know to be the truth. And if people don't agree with it or people don't like it, then you just have to say, well, that's fine. You don't have to agree with it or like it, but this is what I am sensing and what I am feeling. And, and, and that was about 10 years after I had been a professional reader. And I, I spent 10 years apologizing for everything that I said, which is not healthy. No, you know, (laughs) Yeah. No, when I first started practicing kinesiology, I would feel things. And, you know, this was like 25 Mm. years ago. And so people didn't even know what kinesiology was barely. They'd turn up and go, I don't even know how to say this, but my friend said I should come and see you because I've got, you know, this, (laughs) this ailment. And 
and I would I, I started by saying things like this might sound weird but what I can feel mm. is this and you know first of all I pick up on physical ailments and they're like but I didn't even tell you about my bad hip how can you possibly feel that and I'm like I don't really know but I can <laughs> and then it was becoming deeper and it was like I'd get a sense of their history or I'd get a sense of like an emotion that was actually attached to the thing that they had come to see me about and I, and I would always caveat it with this might sound weird but and like you I had a I had a moment where something had come up in a session I told this person it was someone that I knew quite well and she was like oh that doesn't make sense to me I don't don't really understand I can still remember it now it's the word bold b-o-l-d and She's like, I don't, I don't understand that. And to be honest, logically, it didn't make sense to me either. Anyway, a week later, she phoned me and she was like, Rebecca, I know what it was. And she was like, it was this freedom. The last time she'd felt bold was when she was mm. riding on a horse on a beach with the like, you know, proper c- cinematic moment with the, you know, the spray of the sea and the <laughs> hair everywhere. And she was like, that's it. That's what I'm missing from my life. And I was like, oh. And from that moment on, I was like, it doesn't matter whether it makes sense to me. It doesn't matter if it makes sense to them in that moment. I have to trust the message coming through. Now, of course, there's never bad messages or negative messages. It's just, you know, things that they need to be aware of or things that they need to reclaim. But it was like in that moment, it was like, oh, okay, it's not, it's none of my business. I don't have to have any emotion with, with oh my God, is this going to be right for them? Is it going to make sense to them? Because it's like, if it doesn't, it will. And that just happened time and time again. People will be like, oh, it doesn't really make sense. I'm like, okay, don't worry about it. The work's happening anyway, because what I was working on was something different. But every single time people came back again and again and again saying, do you know what? It made sense to me three days later, or I had that aha moment and yeah. it suddenly made sense. And I was like, okay, just like you. It's just like, how many more times? I'm like, universe, you don't need to keep doing it anymore. <laughs> and it still happens now. I'm like, I'm going to tell you this. It may or may not make sense. It doesn't matter. This is this is the thing. Yeah. And I think it, yeah. that only comes from experience. I don't think anyone wakes yeah, up, you know, and just like, ka-ching, I'm intuitive. I trust everything. <laughs> and it's like, well, no. I, <laughs> I'm very big on, you know, you mentioned hero's journey. And, and I'm very mm. big on the initiatory process, which is pretty much the hero's journey. Yep. Um, the and to adventure. Yeah. But that that you can't experience that moment of utter faith in yourself without mm-hmm. doubting yourself first. Yeah. And I think all good readers and intuitives kind of have to walk the path of self-doubt, um, possibly maybe sometimes almost just putting down the cards or the intuition of walking away from frustration or whatever, struggling with what you do and don't and how much you tell someone you have to go through all of these Mm. these are all not a formal initiatory process but still an initiatory process where you have to experience each one so that it can build up and you can have that moment where you go okay I have I have hit this peak flashbulb moment where something happens and I experience it and I know for sure that this Mm. is what I'm doing and that it's right and it's correct and I can move on to the next stage of my journey and and without all of those little failures they're not really failures but all of those little experiences you don't get to that moment in in a meaningful way which is why it freaks me out sometimes where people pick up 
intuitive practices and and are reading professionally in like six months that freaks me out because I'm like yeah you haven't been through the ringer yet you don't really know what you're in for and you may not be able to really provide all of the information in the way that people need to hear it until you've been through all of this yeah and it and it's like that first woman on the horse riding through the sea that was like 20 years ago my friend yeah. even was more much way more recent I, I can remember it so clearly I can even remember that like the word bold was what it was and my mm-hmm. friend was like I can't even remember like three or four years ago and it was just like their moments that stick in my head so much and there's like 20 years apart <laughs> you know there, there's like the the depth of like of trust that you have and it's and I always tell people you know like okay, you've learned within six months, you're reading, everyone needs to practice, but you have to be honest with your experience. And yes, some people are more, I'm not even going to say gifted because I don't believe that. Some people are more connected to their intuition than others, but it's not just about the card reading. Like you said, it's like the holding space. It's been able to deal with suddenly this person's telling you something that maybe you didn't learn about because we're we're going deep when we're doing intuitive work aren't we like opening up that that sacred space so yeah i think that's i think that's really oh. important and i feel very lucky that when i trained as a kinesiologist we had to do counseling at the same time as you know part of our professional oh, development it's like you know, that informed all of my work forevermore you know to, to, just to be able to just hold all of those different spaces really for people mm-hmm. because i think even when we're talking about trusting ourselves and being honest with ourselves. Because I always say that about our intuition. Like one of the biggest things that we need to do to be able to trust our intuition is to trust ourselves, is to become a person of our word. Because if if someone's lying to you all the time, you don't trust them. You just don't, you know, because they keep lying to you and letting you letting you down. And if you're lying to yourself, and I always give the example because this is my terrible one oh, I'm going to go to bed before midnight tonight. And then you don't. You've lied to yourself. If you say you're going to drink more water and then you haven't, you've lied to yourself. Now, it's not been like nefarious. You're not meant to be mean or to lie, but we don't trust people that lie to us. That includes ourselves. So when you're Mm. looking to trust Mm. your intuition, you're like, yeah, but I don't trust myself because I lie to myself. Why? You can't, You haven't got a hope of being able to trust your your intuition to the level and depth that maybe you want to. And so, yeah, it's like it takes, <laughs> I think it takes a lot of strength to be that honest with yourself and to call yourself out on your own nonsense because mm. I still have to do it now. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I really, Rebecca, we're going to play that game? Thing. <laughs> <laughs> everybody will be calling themselves out on their own nonsense for the rest of their lives like it's just part of the human condition it's like even now sometimes i'll shuffle my cards and i'll put a pull a card like i don't want that one (laughs) so i'll have another go (laughs) and i'm like "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, lady what are you up to and it's like i still just put the whole deck away for now yeah it's like oh i'm not getting the answer i want i'll just put the cards away (laughs) but (laughs) But for me, that is as telling as getting the cards mm. that actually you know, really resonate or that I want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if this card comes up, this is going to be the one. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, where do we go from there? So, people, what's next for you in your intuitive journey? 
I mean, I know that you're creating cards. Is there anything else that's developing alongside that for you? Well, I am writing a companion book to my Lane Romantic. So I'm doing that. Um, but I am also studying two different types of cardamancy that are new to me, not new mm-hmm. to the world. Um, one is Sibylla decks, um, yes. which are, what are they? very they're very similar to Lane Mon decks, except they're usually like 52 card decks. Okay. Um, they're very popular in Italy and Italian American culture, but my family never used them. So mm-hmm. I didn't get an early introduction to them. Um, and so I am playing around with those. And then I have also run across a divination system using Neapolitan playing cards, mm-hmm. which are different than standard playing cards that you see in the U.S., but it's the same concept. They're cards that are used for games, but they are also cards that are used for divination. And I haven't found much information on them online that it's in English. So that's fun. I get to um, use dust off my rusty interpretation skills and um, try to work on and learning how to interpret the cards in the system um, that is used in order to interpret the the cards um, that is very different from any other card system I have encountered before. Ooh. So it's quite Where the learning curve. do you curve. think that's taking you? I mean, like, how do you envisage or how are those cards used? Are they used so, like kind of tarot, like overall life concept stuff or what? Yes. Yeah. 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 So they, they're used like tarot cards. Um they are uh, very practical, very uh, day to day. So, mm. um, you know, a lot of times, you know, I hear people say about the Lane Ormond, for example, that that's more your nitty gritty day to day and that tarot can talk about bigger spiritual concepts. Well, I don't know what they're doing with their Lane Ormond decks because my Lane Ormond deck can talk about all kinds of large, big picture uh, spiritual things uh, in yeah. addition to the day to day. So, um but this deck, a lot of the the individual card meanings are very much related to, um, you know, day to day practical matters. Um, and and I'm I ended up looking at them when I, I was busy building my Italian American Oracle, going, well, you know, is there any precedent? What kind of concepts were in traditional Neapolitan divination techniques? Mm. And then researching that led to this divination method so i have a deck of neapolitan cards now and um i'm going to be doing the thing where as i interpret the different meanings i am going to be marking up the deck with the meanings to help me practice and learn with them yeah um so how long do you usually give yourself to work with that kind of system before you maybe think of sharing it or using it with more people than just yourself (laughs) This is kind of new territory for me, mm. at least particularly with the Neapolitan cards, because there's not a lot of material in English. Um, and so I don't know how long it's going to take for me to feel comfortable. I know very much um, I love the idea of bringing things that aren't in English to a larger English speaking audience, um, because that used to frustrate me when I was younger and I wanted to learn so many things, so many different card reading techniques. And when I would hear mention about them in French or German or Italian, Spanish, um, I, and I wouldn't be able to explore them because I, I didn't have the capability at the time to translate or find out what they were about. Um, so I'm hoping that um, you know, I will, let's just say I'll be putting information on my blog 
<laughs> as, as I learn more and more piecemeal, um, you know, I'll start introducing the information um, as I go um, and be just, again, honest and upfront about the fact that I'm no expert and I'm no expert mm. in Italian either. So it's kind of me limping along with that information. I love that. <laughs> limping along. But when we start limping along, that's when we get stronger. But that's also when we like open up to the opportunities, isn't it, of someone mm. who's maybe Italian is like, hey, I'll interpret it for you. And this is how we can do this. And oh, actually, my grandma does that. And it's like, unless we start, we're never going to get better at anything, are we? And I think, you know, like we said about the right. charm casting, sometimes people are like, oh, my God, how do you even start? And I'm like, you start with like five things. And that's it. And it's like, how do I start with my intuition? You take one minute, 30 seconds. I think you said 30 seconds. And you take 30 seconds just to check that psychic check landscape. In. Weather, yeah. sorry. Psychic weather. Um. <laughs> I like landscape too, though. I like landscape. <laughs> Quoting your friend, and I'm sure she said weather. Um, and so <laughs> you know, it's just that energy, isn't it? It's just like we just start. And the more we do it, suddenly the weeks sneak by into months, into years. And suddenly it's like, really? That was that long ago? And we have that much more confidence and resilience and trust. And I don't know, for me, it's just like for you, the cards, whether I'm using charms, I love Owen. I love like working with like different pieces of wood. Uh, you know, just anything, anything really. Looking at the clouds, going, oh, look, I can see that now. And trees, looking at the branches on a tree, looking for shapes. It's like I find the magic, the symbology, the messages everywhere. But it's because I show up with curiosity. I'm just like, oh, I wonder. I wonder what message this has. I, I always remember looking up at, I was wondering whether to stop or start, stop or carry on with this part of my business. And I looked up to a tree and it was summer. So it was like in full leaf. And it's just like this beautiful mm. willow I've got in my garden. I looked up and it, I just, the first thing I saw was a gaping hole. And I was like, oh, it has to go. <laughs> it was just like this perfect <laughs> hole. And everything else was like beautiful, like green, luscious willow leaves, apart from this hole. And this tree must be like, you know, 30 foot tall in my garden. And it had, and as I looked up, there was the hole and I was like, okay, it has to go. But it, oh, again, no. it's just like just that end. But it, but it was the right decision. I mean, had I not wanted to let it go, I would have been like, oh, give me another sign. Give me another sign. Give me another sign. And that's, <laughs> that's very telling, isn't it? But because it was just instantly, it's going. And it's like, it was almost like, oh. and I was like, there's the answer you actually need. Mm, that feeling and, of relief yeah. you can get. And, yeah. And so again, it's like, it's not always a logical knowing. It's like in that moment, I could witness how my body felt when I had the answer. And in fact, I think the funniest thing I ever learned about intuition, um, I'm not even sure you'd call it, yeah, you would call it intuition, was when I was practicing, when, when I was learning kinesiology, the lady who was teaching me was like this very stoic woman. And uh, we were doing nutrition at the time, it was. And she said, oh, when I can't make a decision, I toss a coin. And I was like, wow she was the last person i would expect to toss a coin mm. yeah but what she would do she would toss a coin and then notice her response to the coin and then follow her reaction so like me with the ah. circle so if she said tails i'm gonna wear the red dress and her energy was like yes she knew it was the right answer for her but if her energy went oh she would wear the other dress because she knew that's what she really wanted to do. But it was when she told me that she just tossed a coin, I was like, really? She doesn't look like a leave it to chance kind of person. And it wasn't. It's Isn't that interesting that yeah. we have to sometimes be forced to react to something in order to truly yeah. know our own minds? That's wild. Yeah. And it's just like, 
again, if people aren't sure, it's like, try tossing a coin. Not to follow what the coin tells you to do, but to notice your feeling. And it's just like, it's the equivalent of you doing that 30 seconds. It's like you're just noticing. You know, you're not... It's not so much asking. Yeah. And that's a key thing. And I know we're probably running short on time and I don't want to open up a whole other kettle of fish. But (laughs) one thing that I think it's important for people to understand as they're learning to be intuitive, or even if they are going to someone, a friend or going to a professional reader, is that that union of what the person is saying and how you're reacting to it that is where the magic happens that is where the significance comes out Mm. like you can't just take wholeheartedly what someone tells you as the gospel truth you have to interact with that knowledge in some way and then divine your own you know decision out of that and, and it's not just a, you know, here's the information, the card reader gave it to me, and, and I'm going to just go with this blindly. You have to take it, you yes. have to work with it and interpret there it. There is nothing powerful about solely giving your decision yes. to somebody else. Yes. It's like you use that energy, like you said, to validate, to inform, to work through a process with you, to bring forward all, and again, this is how I use my like tools of divination, to bring forward the parts that I'd been ignoring. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, oh, that's a part that I hadn't considered. So like like you said, when you do your weekly spread, it's like, oh, what part of my life needs focus this week? And it's like, oh, actually, I need to focus on this aspect. And it's like, when I'm asking a question, it's like, what are the bits I'm, it's really, I'm asking, what are the bits I'm yeah. missing without asking that? Someone said, I, I don't do readings for people generally. And someone once said to me, oh, I want to know whether my partner and I are going to stay together. And I'm like, if you're asking me that, I think you already know the answer. Yeah. There's a problem. <laughs> yes, I don't think you need me to put a card for that. And it was uh, so a friend of mine was asking me a question the other day, and I just said something to her, and then I I let it land because it was by text, and then I just went, "How did you feel when I said that?" And she went, "Awful." And I was like, "There's your answer." And she's like, "You tricked mm. me into an answer." I said, "No, I wanted to get you to feel something." You know, because she was so in her head about should I, should I, should I, should I? And I was like, "No, feel something." And she was like, "Oh, you're so sneaky." And I'm like, no, but sometimes we need, you know, we need to come back to our senses, don't we? Because we can get so caught up in like the asking the questions and trying to analyze things and intellectualize things. Mm. And sometimes we just need to become present and feeling something makes us very present. So (laughs) she was like, oh, you're so sneaky. And I was like, it's only because I love you. But yeah, I wouldn't generally (laughs) do that to people. (laughs) But it's like, feel, what is it you, you know? Like you said, it's like, what was that reaction? It's the reaction that actually mm-hmm. is very, very telling to us. And sometimes we don't want to hear stuff. And when we feel like no. that, that's when we have to feel into that energy too. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Juicy, juicy, juicy. So tell us where we can find you. Everything will be in the show okay. notes for people anyway. But you have a lot going on. So tell us all of the goodness. And I will just say, I smelt my father's cologne while you were talking that last <gasps> bit. He's like, so I've got to figure out what dad wants. Um, <laughs> we opened up the energy for the ancestors. I hear you, dad. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> She's like, you can in. find me. <laughs> I know what I'll be doing after this call. 
Um, <laughs> you can find me um, www.blackcandlecottage.com. That's my website. It's got information about my books. It's got information about my Landorman deck and my blog um, that I am just starting. I apologize. I've been neglecting my blog for a long time and I'm just starting to really pay attention to it again. I'm excited. I've got several weeks scheduled of posts, so it's not Ooh, like I'm going to post exciting. once and then forget about it. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, they are, again, going to focus on doing deep dives on my deck, individual cards and what they mean. And then I'm on Instagram at blackhandlecottage.com. Um, because Twitter is exploding and imploding and all kinds of horrible things. Yeah. I'm on uh, Mastodon. Um, oh, uh, I mean, What's, what's it yeah, like over there? I, I've, I've seen it everywhere, fun, but I've not actually amazing. dived in. Really? Really fantastic. Um, it is a smaller number of people, mm -hmm. but you get people who are interested deeply in different subjects all talking to each other. There's not as much you know static noise. to yeah. to noise the the ratio is much better and i'm following all kinds of people like people who run manuscript libraries and so i get to see them posting about books oh, and wow. i'm following you know people who are other uh, esoteric authors that are on there and i'm following all these people that you know are very passionate about their personal magical practices and what they do and mm. and so it's much more nurturing environment Ooh, um, i might, I might so have to brave and brand new world then there are different yeah. servers because it's a federated system where there are individual servers and so i'm on the witches live server um that are all people that are kind of interested in esoteric stuff there's also several pagan servers out there um depending on what flavor of server you want to be on <laughs> um it is a but whole yeah, new I'll world. actually have to <laughs> send you my Mastodon information because I do not know it off the top of my head. It's that new. Yeah, no, do that. Um, we'll pop it in the show notes and people can come and find us because no doubt I'll be over there too. <laughs> <laughs> I, am on, know, I am on so. Twitter, but I don't post. I just pop on there occasionally. So, But I am aware of all the things that are going on. So it will be interesting to see how all of that unfolds. Like you say, yes. implodes, explodes. Who knows? But yeah, I have seen people going, oh, Mastodon is the way forward. So let's go have it a look. It is lovely. Oh, it is good. lovely. So. Isn't it nice to be able to say that about a social media platform? I know. When's the last it's... time you said something was lovely? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Nobody says it about Instagram, Facebook. No, Instagram energy's changed. My feed used to be full of like really beautiful images of things. And now I, I don't know. I don't even follow that many people, but it's just like advert, advert, advert. And I'm like, oh, mm. okay. So yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you again so much. Really enjoyed talking to you. And before we go off on a whole other tangent, I will let you go and chat to your father. So oh, 